All right, start the show. Okay, party people in the house. Hey guys, it's Michelle Taylor Willis, and thanks again for tuning in to According. Hey guys, it's Michelle Taylor. It's Michelle Taylor Willis. Back at you. It's According to Michelle Radio with Michelle Taylor Willis. So what's up? What's up, guys? My voice is out of control because I was screaming. I wonder why. I wonder why. Welcome to According to Michelle on Real 1100 AM with Michelle Taylor Willis, the one. The only. No, you're supposed to go, uh. Dude, you can't do that to me. Yeah, you should be, you should know by now. No, it just switches up know every the two weeks. No. It does switch up, doesn't it? You just never know exactly what it's going like, to be. I just want to make a clip now so I can just go back and clip the moments where it's like, <sighs> no, yes, no. <laughs> yeah. I know, you're right, you're right, you're right. What's up, uh, iHeart listeners and Facebook and Instagram? You're not here yet, but we're coming for you. We're coming for you. We just got to get to you. So we'll re-welcome them, but I want to make sure that we can... Say hello to everybody who's driving right now in that beautiful 7585, 285 traffic. But we're here to make that that commute better for you and easier for you. This is what we do. This is how much we love our peeps. And honestly, where else are you going to go? Right. So, and where <laughs> else are you going to go? You're kind of stuck. I mean, I guess you could change the station, but why would you do that? There's no point. There's it's just no point. But I can tell you what there is a point to. Super Bowl. How was that for you? How was it for me? Yeah. It was great. I went like... Okay, so first of all, full disclosure, I didn't go to the Super Bowl. I was planning on going to the Super Bowl, but I was with other people. Okay. And what happens is sometimes you one person can get, can get access, but everybody can't get access. That's Super Bowl is one of those events. It's only one yeah. game. It's not like NBA Finals. You know, there's not multiple times to go. Well, yeah, and so um, yeah, so we can get everybody into all of the events the surrounding events so like the all access stuff we could do nice. but the game itself was a little bit of a different story okay so so how was your okay, I didn't how was your the saturday then no so my friday my saturday my sunday it was all dope okay awesome i mean because i mean we were at the nfl pa event friday night oh with the players kind of like the players we were beforehand yeah i mean everywhere we were was a place people want to be. So let's just put that down. You know, I don't mean to drag back. Okay, okay. Well, look, next time it comes to Atlanta, I'm going to be there. Well, I so hope. the super, okay, so here's the thing. This one I want to say to all the Phoenicians. Phoenicians? Phoenicians? No. Fanatics? No, the people in Phoenix. Oh. The powers that Phoenicians. be in Phoenix. <laughs> Phoenicians. I don't know what they call themselves. Phoenix-ians. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've been to four Super Bowls now. Oh, wow. And I'm here to tell you that the best Super Bowls happen when everybody, like when everything happens in a central location. Because what, what happened, what do, uh, what do I that? mean by that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because there's Phoenix. Yeah. Then there's Scottsdale. And okay. there's all these other little. Surrounding. You know, suburbs. Yeah. But basically there's Phoenix, there's Scottsdale. And then in this situation, there's Glendale. Hmm. The stadium's in Glendale. Okay. And then there's Scottsdale. So everything is about 30 minutes. Oh, gosh. Okay. Right? I mean, Scottsdale is probably 20, 25. Traffic. 
No, just, no, just, that's what it is. It's okay. like 20, 20, 25 minutes out. Glendale is a solid, like, 30, 35 minutes. That's without traffic. Okay. But the problem is, everything happens in Scottsdale. Like, Scottsdale, Scottsdale is, like, the happening place, right? Yeah. Period. Even when you go to Phoenix, Scottsdale is where it's at. Okay. No so, way. there was tons of parties, all this stuff going on in Scottsdale. But the game was in Glendale, which really was, which was out. It's kind of like a transfer of It was power. like, yeah. So, it was like, it was just... Especially during the day, the game, because, you know, if you want to pregame and then be in the area where the game is and then go back to post gaming, it's so spread Divided. out. It was it's just nightmare to get back and forth. OK, so all the pre events were in Scottsdale. A lot of the stuff was in Scottsdale. Gotcha. But that, those were the fun events. You were those were the great events. OK, not to say the Pro Bowl wasn't fun, guys. Not to say the Pro Bowl wasn't fun. But, you know, regular people can't What's participate. What's the Pro Bowl? I'm just joking. <laughs> that was a good What's question exactly two years ago. The Pro Bowl? Why is it exist? I'm just joking. Nah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love the Pro Bowl. No, nah, a lot of people have been, um, you know, a lot I know. of people did not like the outcomes. I know. I'm talking to you, Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> there, there's been a lot of late scandals going on. Okay, well, let's forget about the scandals, but let's talk about the game was awesome. The game was phenomenal. I don't care what anyone says. The score was perfect. I mean. The back and forth was good. It wasn't like a blowout lose when... It was a competitive game all the way through. And, and it you, was right. It, it was one of those if you turned it off and came back, you were shocked with the outcome. Because you just didn't because you just didn't know. Oh, and yeah. those are games you want to watch. You don't want to watch the games where like, you know, it's a complete blowout or where it's like sixty six to sixty six. I, I mean, I you know what I'm will saying? I say the most entertaining Super Bowl of all time was you know who, so Oh gosh, why would you do that? Because technically, I mean, why would you? Why realm. would you mess up a perfectly it's good conversation and bring that up? Well, neither of us are fans. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm speaking for myself. Okay. Uh, I mean, seriously, <laughs> why do we have to do that? The point of the I'm just going to end it right now. At it's the all good. the point of it all was that that was a good game, oh, and the fun. Chiefs. I mean, I, listen, Philadelphia actually did. They had a good little run in there because people thought mad. people thought Philadelphia was gonna. But you know some of the plays. Is this where we're going with the scandals? The yeah. play calling? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was... Play calling, and then since the play calling didn't go their way, they made up something else afterwards. But mainly it's centered around the play the calling. The play calling was, I mean, <laughs> I was watching it with my girl who's a diehard Chiefs fan. Oh, good for her. And she was <laughs> like, it's rigged. It's oh, rigged. she even said it. Yeah. Yeah. No, if, if that call was on someone who didn't deserve it, nor... And I'm talking about the wide receiver. Like, there's no reason... That was an excuse for a flag. Like, you only had seven receptions the whole game, bro. I know it's the Super Bowl. It's dope. But I'm looking at your past performances. You're not that guy. <laughs> so that's that's more of a superstar call, like a Tom Brady call. You know so, what I mean? so how about this? After, did you see what's going around Instagram right now about? I'm furious. About, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the player individually. Ooh, Who said? Juju? We talking about or Happy Valentine's Day? All no, that stuff? no. I'm talking about the one that said that basically football's rigged and the NFL's rigged and all that. Oh, he came yeah. out and said. Adrian Foster. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, that man. Yeah, this script was really top notch, <laughs> if that's the case. Uh oh. Uh oh. Producer wants to say something. You mean Arian Foster? Arian Foster, not Arian Adrian? Foster. Arian, okay. Arian Foster. Yeah. Yeah, you heard what he said, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So me and Miles heard both everything. So, yeah, with that player, who knows? I don't know. And he played for the Texans. So it's like, uh. <laughs> and, and Miles was out there, right? Miles said he was there. You were out. Would you? Okay, so tell me, am I right about everything being yeah, central? Yeah, you're definitely right. right. Like, <laughs> Scottsdale is like 
the Hollywood <laughs> of Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. But it's so many, it's self like separated and um through different parts. Right, like, right. Exactly. See? That's interesting. Well, See, now I gotta go to Phoenix. Thanks, now guys. you gotta but Scottsdale Phoenix, I mean the whole area is gorgeous. But if I'm going to go. But if you're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for an event like that, and that's why a lot of people say Atlanta was like one of the best places to have the Super Bowl. I mean, we got it figured out. Yeah. We had to figure I was at all it was and fun. I, the game itself was just boring. That's yeah, the, the game. unfortunate part. But who cares about the game? That's uh, stupid. Okay. <laughs> who cares about the game really? We really? just need to be there for all the events. My sister, I love her to death. She called me. And said, Hey, are you gonna watch uh, Rihanna's <laughs> Rihanna's performance. Okay, let's I'm talk like, about you Rihanna's. You know it's the whole Super Bowl, right? And just like, nah, it's Rihanna's performance. I'll see you at halftime. And <laughs> just hangs up the phone. Okay, so we did not know beforehand she was pregnant, right? I personally didn't. I don't know about y'all. That was that was no, to me. Nobody didn't. Well, frankly, I kind of thought looking at her performance, like me and my dad were kind of thinking that she had extra baby meat, and I thought because she just had a baby, she couldn't be pregnant again. <laughs> but she just Spoken had it. Spoken like and, a ten-year-old. But. <laughs> She just had it in May, so I guess she is. And then my mom kept saying the whole time she is pregnant. So I thought, I mean, well, she did say there was going to be a special guest, and then when you realize it was no musical guest, oh gosh, yeah, the baby she, was a special guest. We got the special guest. It was a baby. So that's dope, man. Did you get the symbolism? Did you get the symbolism between like her and the the, the red she was wearing? Or? The red and then the white. All the people in white dancing. That was a, that was sperm. Oh wait, are, you, are we serious right now? I'm very serious. That's, just, that's what people are saying. It was symbolism. Like that was. Well, and now if you that go you're back and you I'm watch it, <laughs> you go back and you watch it, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, is that? Wow." She was walking some sense. dude like a dog. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. That was. It was entertaining though. I will say it was one of the more entertaining. You thought it was entertaining because some people it said it wasn't great. <sighs> people gonna have their opinions. Everyone wants the Rihanna from production booth says no. I thought it was a nice show, I especially since nice. she's pregnant. She's got to be four Thank or five you. months pregnant. You, this girl is pregnant, thirteen thousand feet in the air. What more do you want from me? That what is. more do you want from me? Yeah, I respect it. I think what? No. Let's talk about the lip singing. Was she lip syncing? On which part? The whole thing. Oh, she snap. was lip syncing. To me, the See, whole thing. Time out. I thought he wasn't gonna catch it. That's why I said which part. <laughs> Attorney Foster, did you watch the game? I did. Okay, let's see. What do you think? Our guest in the house, who you guys will know who she is soon enough. But I want her to weigh in on this because I see her smiling. She's smiling. like. I mean, I love Rihanna, but she always lip syncs. Mm. Okay, production booth says I, they're giving me the emoji like this. Hey, bro. The, I don't I, know I still emoji. Love her. I still love her, but that's crazy. That's tough. Hey, but you know what? I will say, though. What? She's still got the talent. It's, it's her voice. Oh gosh, I love her already. She's like, mm. it's hers. Oh, see, is it's, it not? I, I love Rihanna. Let me say that. <laughs> I am a, Anytime somebody starts off with a positive, I love a butt's her. coming. No, could it make sense? But I, you know, I'm a, a Beehive member, so Uh-oh. we were just talking Beyonce's about this. We were talking about it. Level of performance is different than I think anyone else. That's so it's difficult fair. for me to kind of compare. Like Rihanna gives us what she gives us, and she is talented. She's amazing, but. She gives us what she gives us. Right. And I will say people were trying, because it's always the Rihanna And she's Beyonce an attorney, debate. so you know she's right. <laughs> Someone was trying to argue to me. Of course, Rihanna, Rihanna did more numbers than the Super Bowl itself. She got 118 million streams alone. Super Bowl got 115 million. But someone tried to compare it, saying that she did way better than Beyonce's halftime performance. This is where I cut it off, Yikes. guys. The yeah. years of 2012 to now, that's 11 years, guys. You know how much streaming has been developed since then? Yeah. Those streams that were being watched illegally counted. 
So if I want to talk about Beyonce back then, if we were counting all the streams, what makes you think she's not hitting that easy number? Right now. And that's not an easy number, but, you know, for some people, it is. Well, let's just say this. We talked about this last week, actually. We talked about beehivers Beyonce and, and, and how breeders. much I love. I mean, like, I'm not a beehiver, but I, but no unparalleled Beyonce puts on a show. I was saying how I saw her in Paris on the final show of the on the run tour. Mm-hmm. And her performance, like that, she's a she's more of a performer to me, even than she is a singer or music. Like she can I, entertain. I compare her to Michael Jackson. And Beyonce, yes, and that's no joke. Yes, yes. And Beyonce, six months pregnant, seven months, she might have had on thirteen inch heels. She would have been doing push ups, back bends, being like the Not baby's good. Like, no, because that's just that's just what she does. Like. She, her level of performance never ceases to amaze me. She's just a great performer. She's an incredible dancer. So, I mean, I don't think it's like comparing apples to oranges. I think it was cool that Rihanna, I think she got her due, right? Because she hasn't been recognized as like, you know what I mean? Even I think, you know, when we said she was going to be at the the halftime show hey guys if you're just coming in we're talking about the super bowl and now the halftime show with rihanna i'd love to see what y'all's thoughts are Uh oh instagram is up instagram is up um and so people are like oh my god you like she's actually she's performing at the super bowl like that's she well she hasn't dropped an album in crickets yeah but she did drop a baby (laughs) see what i did there whatever's more important i love it i mean (laughs) so i mean the fact that she was actually going to be performing at the super bowl says a lot for her career and her, but she's still not Beyonce, and that's okay. And she Beyonce. was, and she was, and she was pregnant. I mean, like she did. I think she did. Everybody's like, yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I love Beyonce. Rihanna's not Beyonce, but she is a billionaire. So I mean, now can can we like? I know we're going to break. Yeah, we're gonna take a break. How is Beyonce not there yet? Can someone explain that to me? I don't know. That but blows my actual mind, mind. of like working yeah. things out logically. Yeah. Because to me, no offense to her great husband. I thought that she would have hit that first. I agree. And of course, he made a lot of investments behind closed doors, but right. you know, just off of likeness and what she does, like she. Beyonce, it seems like she should be there, right? Like Beyonce, personally, the first of our kind. Like in my mind, you said of our kind. Of, well, not of our time. That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's why it blows my mind. She's not on that Forbes list. And Forbes isn't important, but at the same time, when you're well, I mean, at that's. I things, mean, I'll be on the Forbes list. I mean, there's some things that if people, I mean, you know, if somebody handed me $1,500 right now, I'd take it and be all right. You know what I'm saying? If somebody put me on a Forbes list, I think I'd be, I think I'd be good. I think it'd be good. Guys, we got attorney Chinway Foster in the house today. She is going to be giving us all the goods, but at very first, the very first thing she's going to be giving us is in inspiration she is an amazing entrepreneur she's an amazing attorney but she is a trendsetter trailblazer and she's gonna be talking about how she got there what's going on in the system today how you can help be empowered in the system all these amazing things when we come back on according to michelle with michelle taylor willis right here on real 1100 am don't go anywhere we'll be right back
Historic Morris Brown College is back. Founded in 1881, Georgia's first and only HBCU founded by African Americans just made history by achieving accreditation candidacy in April 2021. The first HBCU to rebound after a 20-year hiatus. Sometimes in life, you only get one chance to make a significant difference and be a part of history. Well, that opportunity is now. Are you a young person seeking a higher education or an adult wanting to complete your degree? Want to join a collegiate family? Well, now here is your chance. Join forces by enrolling at Morris Brown College's restoration class and become a part of the hard reset. Additionally, you may also assist Morris Brown by making your tax-deductible contributions today. For more information on how you can enroll or give to this historically black college located in the heart of Atlanta, Georgia, please visit morrisbrown.edu. Low-cost, innovative academic programs, and one of the most affordable HBCUs in the state of Georgia. Visit Morris Brown. Edu today. Michelle. Michelle. Take this one here for me and my DJ. According to Michelle with Michelle Taylor Willis right here on Real 1100 AM. What's up, iHeart? If you guys aren't in the car and you want to hear me, all you got to do is go to the iHeart app, download it, search for Real 1100 AM, and according to Michelle, we'll pop right up. You can hear me every Wednesday from 4 to 6 right here on iHeart. But if you're in your car and you're in Atlanta, all you got to do is tune to Real 1100 AM. Of course, Facebook, Instagram, we're always here. And, of course, there's Team Replay, too, at Michelle Taylor Willis. There is no excuse for you not to find me. And the really cool thing is, is after this radio broadcast, every Monday... You can hear the According to Michelle podcast, which is really just an iteration of the According to Michelle radio show. So like I said, no excuses. No excuses to hear from people like our amazing guest today. Okay, so I just want to take you guys back for a second about, gosh, this is probably two years ago. Um, we featured in the magazine, you guys know I have... Um, uh, I'm the publisher and owner of South Fulton Lifestyle Magazine. And we did this dope cover because in the city of South Fulton, all of the judges were black women in the city of South Fulton. This was about about two years ago, two, two and a half. It's so hard. I, I You know, I, I look at life B.C. and A.C. before COVID mm-hmm. and after COVID. I think this was B.C. before COVID. Um, and these women got so much play nationally because probably if I think it's the number two, I think city of South Fulton is the number two blackest city in America. And all of the leadership judicially were black women and it was just insane. And so we did cover on them. And so recently I was introduced to a similar situation. And that's what I'm really excited about having this woman in the studio today. Attorney Chinway Foster, the founder and principal attorney of the Foster Firm, LLC. And again, what's really cool about this firm is that it's all black female attorneys. Which in America, like, I don't know, I didn't go. I tried to actually find the number. I couldn't find the number. But I'm going to tell you, I had such a hard time finding the number because there's not a whole lot of them. That's why I couldn't find the number. So I'm going to use the term, and I'm quoting handful. 
a handful of all black female attorneys. And what's really cool is that this is in Atlanta, and Atlanta leads the nation for female entrepreneurs. Um, so, like, I could keep going with the statistics, but at the end of the day, this woman is dope. She's a Buckeye. We're not going to hold that against her. <laughs> she did go to Howard Law. We're going to hold that for her because that is, I mean, we love Howard, right? Um, and so she's here. She's going to be talking about, you know, her space, females in the space, black women in the space, a little bit of the system, um, and maybe some things that we can do to empower ourselves to uh, to to. To, to have an impact on the system. Let's say that. But I'll say she is an advocate for our black men out there. Let's do that. Let's start with that. Can we please welcome attorney Chinway Foster in the studio? Ah! Thank you. Thank What's you, thank up? You. Let me turn Instagram around here so they can see you. Hi. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's, it is literally, it's, it's an honor to have you in here. Thank I think you. what you have done, what you're doing, what you continue to do um, is awesome. Like you're an advocate. I am. You're an advocate and a philanthropist and you use your occupation mm -hmm. to forward your advocacy and your philanthropic efforts. And that's how I see you. That's me. That's me talking. Um, but, you know, to me, you're so much bigger than and then the term attorney, if that makes sense. It does. And I and I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Michelle. I definitely my voice is like my talent. Yeah. My, being able to speak for people and be persuasive for people. Right. Being able to guide people, that is my talent. I'm not a we were just talking about Beyonce. Beyonce's talent is to be an entertainer, singer, all right. things great. Right. Um, and I embrace uh, my voice and my talent of being able to speak and advocate for people. So were you like the kid on the playground that, you know, somebody had an injustice befall them? You were like, no, no, she was on the slide first. Get down. Let her. Was that you? That was me. <laughs> and it's like, you know, all my life I had to fight. No, but I was, <laughs> no, I was the fighter. I was the person who spoke up for people. Um, you know, I, I was made fun of and, you know, I was speaking for myself, but speaking up for people, especially people who were uh, maybe being bullied by more popular people in elementary school, middle school, high school, whatever. But I was that fighter. Even my friends, like, when they were being bullied or attacked, they would always be like, go get Chimway. So it's it's always been in me to, to be a voice and speak up and fight for people. It's been in me since I was little. Where, where did that come from, you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess since I'm saying it's a talent, mm. I feel it's a talent. I think it's just innate. I think it's just in me to be that way. Were your parents advocates? Did you see them working for? <laughs> um, my mom was a nurse. So I guess she was okay. an advocate that way. Yeah. Uh, my dad was an engineer. Um, maybe, but I think I'm different from my siblings. I have two sisters and a brother, and I am just you know just me. You know, so how are you different than them? Um. You know, my dad's nickname for me and, you know, my parents, you know, we're Nigerian. Um, so my dad and I, so basically I was the troublemaker is what he would call okay. me. But it, it was in a loving way because I would always, I always spoke. That's like right. I've always used my voice. Whereas okay. 
I would always question my parents. Like, uh oh. Well, well, why? Like, why? <laughs> you so, were one of those. Yeah, and I, I got in trouble. Do you lot. have? Wait a minute. Do you have kids? Uh, I have stepkids. I have okay, because <laughs> you know, I mean, as a parent, <laughs> payback is a mug. Believe me. <laughs> believe me, I know. Believe me, I know. And my mom used to tell me all the time, "You're gonna get it back." But yes, I've, I've always uh, used my voice. So it's. So you guys are Nigerian. Did you do, because I know you're from Ohio, but did you live over in Nigeria at Actually, all before you? I was you? born in Nigeria. Okay. And that, then I moved to Ohio. How old I, were you when you guys moved? like seven, seven So you, do you remember being in Nigeria? I do, um, but not as much as I should. Hmm. Um, but I do remember, yes. What are you, any, like, what's a memory? Um, I remember where we lived. You know, I remember family. Um, you know, it's not as vivid as maybe before. Uh, I'm not going to tell my age, but uh, <laughs> I haven't been back, but I plan to be, uh, to go back. Okay. Um, we have, my parents have a home there. You know, my older sister has been there. Um, it's my goal to go back very soon. Okay. So. And so are your parents like traditional Nigerians? Like they are. Okay. They, I mean, they're American. My mom is Americanized. I mean, well. She's going to be really, really mad when she watches it. Yes. <laughs> yes, she's traditional. She is. My parents are traditional. Yes. I'll say that. So, oh, wait. Why is she going to be mad? Because she wants me to say she is traditional. She is the, you know, the epitome of not Nigerian woman. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she is. She is. My mom is my hero. I love her. She's amazing. So, let me ask you this. What part, and I'll, I'd love this question, especially coming from African culture, but can you see based on what your parents have told you and what you know about Nigerian culture, how that's impacted who you are? Absolutely. How so? I mean, my parents, and I think Nigerian culture, especially when it comes to education, it's like, why why can't you get an A? Like, it's, there's no question. Like, my parents always have basically put it in me to strive for excellence in everything that you do. Mm. So um, you're not going to bring home a B. Like, that's not good. Right. <laughs> you want me to celebrate the fact that you have a B? No. Like, why can't you get an A? You can get an A. If you don't, if you didn't get an A, it's because you didn't try hard enough. So I think that being raised in that environment, I look at, you know, I look at every aspect of what I do in that way. I strive for excellence in, in everything. Mm. Um, and, and this is kind of like a weird connection, but if, if a client comes to me, a criminal case, and they say, you know what, I just want to take a plea. Well, why? Let's. My job is to make the state prove themselves. Now, after we've done everything we need to do, we've investigated, we've looked at the evidence. If a plea is in your best interest, then yes, let's take a plea. But in my strive for excellence, it's let's make the state prove their case. If they're unable to prove it, then they need to dismiss this case. So we're not. And, and I have people come to me all the time. I just want to get probation. Okay. I mean, if that's what's going to be the worst case scenario, then then, you know, it may be, but we don't go into any case right. thinking that we're going to play it out. Um, and I think that that kind of goes back to my upbringing, like striving for excellence, like striving for the best in everything that I do and everything that I touch and everyone mm. that I interact with. And obviously your clients and everybody with whom you interact, I bet your staff and employees and fellow attorneys and colleagues, yes. they all benefit from that mindset. Yes. They all benefit from that mindset. Yeah. Okay, so at what point did you decide law was what you wanted to do? Did you think you were always going to be a lawyer? or I mean, did you know how you were going to use your voice? 
You know, it's so funny. My grandfather, who I don't even remember because he passed when I was like three. Um, apparently, he told my parents that I was going to be a judge, wow. a lawyer one day. So he saw it even at that early of an age. But I think it didn't really start to make sense to me or come to me till I was like in high school, late in high school, where um, I would see, you know, people that I knew friends um just kind of being involved in the in the system and i became interested in it i remember watching the oj trial mm. and um <laughs> look he looked like what <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't there for that y'all because <laughs> you're like 13 right now no so. when i heard it i'm like what orange juice trial you know what i'm saying like when i first heard it when okay. i was a kid <laughs> all right <laughs> um but it was i was just like infatuated with what they were doing um and um it was just it was just always something that I I was interested in and drawn to so I kind of knew that this is where I was being guided to and I think when I got to college it just kind of like this is this is me like I'm being pushed to be a lawyer so um I think I've I've known and began working towards that I think probably in high school but my grandfather knew when I was like a baby right toddler, basically and you know, Oh, folks, they can feel it in their bones. They know when it's about to rain. Mm -hmm. They know what the storm is going to look like. They are all on it. Yes, yes. So how, were your, how did you decide on Howard? Um, you know, it's funny. I, I was living in Ohio, and I wanted to be in Georgia. So, like, to be You honest, wanted to come to Georgia? I always knew. And it's so funny. Like, I just, I came to visit, I visited Atlanta when I was 13. And I was just like, this is where I want to be. Like, there's, like, I don't want to be anywhere else. So I always knew that I was going to end up here. Weird, I know. But um, so I applied to, most of the schools I applied to were in Georgia. I applied to UGA, Georgia State, um, and I just knew I wanted to be in Georgia. No, I didn't apply to John Marshall. Um, I just knew, but then I applied to Howard as well because I went to Ohio State University, which is a predominantly white mm -hmm. university. Mm -hmm. and, um, so, and, you know, I was used to that environment. And I got an invitation to come visit Howard. And I was just in awe of the beautiful blackness mm. that surrounded me. And um, just being there, I actually went, I remember I sat in a class, I participated in, you know, that one class. And just seeing seeing that, it, it was just like, this is where I want to be. And then after I saw Howard's mission statement, and I'm like, wow, like this is, it was just meant to, meant to be. Um, so I just... After that, I, after I visited Howard, I was no longer interested in anywhere else. And so that's where I went. It's interesting because I'm seeing this um, pattern. You know, whenever I have conversations with people, I usually can find the patterns. But I don't have to find them. They reveal themselves. Mm -hmm. And the pattern that I'm seeing in you is that, um, gosh, I, always, I don't know how to explain this. But, like, your life was... Your life was set up and you had people in your life that they they spoke over you um, and you have this innate, innate something that basically just paved your way and you just walked in it. Am I making sense? You are, and I agree. That's a, that's a good way to put it. I yeah, agree. I'm like, I know this. I'm like, I'm a communicator and I can't communicate this, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. And I, I agree. I think that things just kind of... Um, I kind of, I'm a spiritual person. I'm not very religious. That's right. I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. But I feel like I kind of just listened 
Yeah. And I followed. That's right. And I paid attention and I was aware of where I should be. And I just followed the path that I think was already laid out. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. There is this piece of listening and execution, right? That a lot of times we know we get. It's almost like, you know, before you go into a relationship, you see the red flags and you don't listen to the, you know what I mean? Because it's like we do what we want to do or we do what our parents say we should do or but I think even as children as a young child you were advocating for people yes yes and I think that people get distracted like I think kids today especially social media oh yeah because you see stuff on so I mean I know we're on Instagram social media (laughs) yeah no but no we can call it no let's no but we call it what it is I mean you know but no um I think you kids especially get distracted by because there's so many things being thrown at you that it's hard to focus on what your path is and I think that I think all of us have a path I mean if you listen and pay attention I think that you will be able to follow that path if you ignore the distractions right around you you can follow the path that is already carved out for you laid out yeah and shoot adults do that I mean obviously kids do it because there's most adults are walking around here not living purpose not living passion not knowing you know around aimlessly guys we've got attorney Chinway Foster and she is the founder of the Foster Firm LLC here in Atlanta, one of the only black, all black female um, attorney uh, law practices in America, and it happens to be right here in Atlanta. So we've been talking to her right here on Real 1100 AM, according to Michelle with Michelle Taylor Willis. So let me ask you this. You knew that you were going to be an advocate. You had people speaking into you. Um, you listened as a child, you knew what it was going to be, and you executed. Mm-hmm. Once you executed, did you know that you were going to be executing alone? And what I mean by that is you were going to be the core mm-hmm. to this practice that you would basically build because you not only, it's one thing to, to do that and do that under somebody else's umbrella, mm-hmm. but you actually started a practice from scratch mm-hmm. and built it. You know what I mean? You built a business around this advocacy. So was that the plan or, you know, how did you learn? Yeah, you're smiling because you're like. (laughs) You know, I I keep it real all the time. And I want, I always want to answer. It would be so good for me to say yes. Yeah. I knew it in, you know, but I didn't. Um, I knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to speak to people. But being a business owner was not something that I ever saw. Got it. Um, it's interesting when you talk about people speaking things into you. Mm-hmm. I married probably the greatest man ever, Andre Foster. Hello, okay. Andre. Hello. Um, he is just amazing. And he's very business savvy and business minded. And what happened is um, when I finished law school, Actually, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a public defender. Like, to me, I wanted to help That's right. That was your voice. Yeah, I wanted to help poor people. Okay. Anyone can, you know, you can be OJ and have all the money in the world and go hire the most expensive lawyer out there. And, and, but I wanted to help people who, you know, um, typically didn't have the ability to hire great attorneys. So I thought I wanted to be a public defender. So I was I was a public defender. Um, when I graduated from high school, I was actually uh, recruited as a part of the, you know, I went to law school in D.C. Um, I was recruited to come to Georgia to be a part of the Georgia Public Defenders um, Standards Council, their honors program. It was the first, you know, the 
um, first program like that that they had. So okay. What they wanted to do was they wanted to go outside and get because Georgia's public defender system was horrendous. And back um, this was what back when two thousand five. Two thousand five. Okay, let's yeah. wait. Hold that thought. Don't lose that. Two thousand five, public defender system horrible. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to pick up there. We're going to take a quick break on Real 1100 AM with uh, Michelle Taylor Willis on According to Michelle. We've got attorney Chen Wei Foster, and she's telling us exactly how she decided to build this practice from scratch with all black female attorneys. Don't go anywhere. If you touch anything, you're going to miss the inspiration and the empowerment. You don't want to do that. Five o'clock, it's senseless shenanigans. When we come back 530, ask Michelle 404-603-8770. We'll be right back with more According to Michelle. Hey guys, Michelle Taylor Willis here. And I just want to ask you, have you checked out my latest book? Well, I say latest book, really, it's my only book. (laughs) Raising Significance, an MTW guide to raising independent, well-rounded, and confident kids. Listen, this book is not rocket science, and I'm not claiming to be a child expert or a psychologist or psychiatrist or any of that. I'm just a mom who has figured some things out. So I just got some jewels and a few gems that can help you raise not just successful kids, but significant kids kids. You want your kids to stand out from the crowd or at least from the other kids in their class, right? This is the way to do it. So listen, go to my website, authormichelletaylorwillis.com. That's Michelle with two L's. Check out the book. If you like what you see, click on that pay now button and grab a copy. Maybe you grab a copy for some of your friends who have kids if you don't. But either way, I promise you will not be disappointed. Raising Significance, an MTW's guide to raising independent, well-rounded and confident kids. Get your copy today. Michelle. 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 Take this one here for me and my DJ. Welcome back to the five o'clock hour of According to Michelle with Michelle Taylor Willis right here on Real 1100 AM. What's up, iHeart listeners? Thanks for tuning in. And in case you didn't know, if you're not in Atlanta, you can't get Real 1100 AM. There's all kinds of ways you can listen to me. You can go to iHeart app. And search for Real 1100 AM, according to Michelle. You can listen to the podcast, which is on every single podcast platform known to man, almost. <laughs> uh, every Monday, you can see According to Michelle podcast. So if you miss amazing discussions like the one here with Attorney Foster, you can just circle back. Um, you can catch me at fa- Facebook or Instagram at Michelle Taylor Willis live or Team Replay is always a thing, too. You can always come back and listen to it. But 5 o'clock on According to Michelle means it's time for senseless shenanigans. Shenanigans! 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 What is up, y'all? Happy Wednesday. Um, <laughs> Please we, don't say Florida man. No, nah, we're going out west with it this time. We're going Thank out west. Goodness. We're going out west. So, Thank you. Everything's bigger in Texas, including, I guess, the stupidity. Um, <laughs> so... What's the wildest thing you've taken that doesn't belong to you, Michelle? I don't take things that don't belong to me. Right answer. Okay, so <laughs> there was this man arrested for stealing not one, but two monkeys from the Dallas-Fort Worth Zoo. Where do you find these stories? Um, The internet. I know they say a lot of stuff isn't real on there, so believe me, kids, this is one of those. I double-checked. So this man stole two monkeys. I mean... If you're going to go in there and steal a monkey, you might as well try to come out with two. I, how did he even, it. how did that happen? So the monkey's names were Bella and Finn. Oh, Bella, that's my sister's name. Aww. I bet he was a cute monkey because um, my sister's adorable. <laughs> I don't even want to get into that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bella and Finn were kept in an enclosure together at the Dallas Zoo. And around, 
wee hours in the morning on January 13th, they were reported stolen from the zoo property. Davion Irvin is the suspect in this matter. Wait, Davion? Yes. Wait a minute. Okay, I don't want to... I'm treading lightly here. I was going to ask you what he looked like. But I was expecting... I really was not... That's not what I was expecting. You know what? It's, yeah, same, same. I mean, I'm like, that doesn't sound like... I read like, the headline and saw the picture, didn't. Yeah. I was like, that's... No, that's not us. Yeah, man. He broke into Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas Zoo on Thursday. Um, apparently, no security was able... Like, cameras, nothing. The only thing that got them were the cameras that he was walking in up front. But you see him coming in, and then you see him leaving out. With uh, the two monkeys. Were they, he, was he holding them on his side? Like, I think he two, had them in like his jacket. Kid? Oh, my so, gosh. Because, you know, they're not the big monkeys. They're like those capuchin monkeys. I what? Believe. Oh, God. I don't even know what that is. They're the cute ones. Okay. They're the ones you, would, you wouldn't mind in your home, but still need a diaper. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the 24-year-old then told the police on the nights of the monkey's disappearance that he waited until dark to jump the fence of the zoo. And then cut the metal mesh of the enclosure, then left with the two animals. How did they not? It was planned. It was planned. But wait, so you're telling me none of that's not on tape? They don't have any of that on tape. They just show them coming. What kind of security is that? They said they couldn't find him any. They literally had to ask him how did he get on the premises. He spoke to the police without an attorney. That's what I'm talking about. See, this why this girl is good at what she does. Yeah, it's looking like it comes from the words of the horse mouth. Ah, Davion, no. Should have never, never. He, they shouldn't have even been able to get a, I don't know, out of him. You make right? the case for them. You know, when you talk to the police, you make the case for them. Yeah. So, oh, I'm sorry. I, this wasn't even his first attempt. This oh, was geez. February 11th. Y'all should see pra- praise is in there. Praise is is Chinway's PR. Her publicist, and she can't, she can't control herself over in the corner. She's just like, what is happening? So, if you don't succeed, try, try and try again. <laughs> In his January attempt, he tried to, this doesn't even sound right, tried to take a clouded leopard from the zoo. Yeah. Where are his parents? Well, he's 24. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he didn't get the leopard. So how did they find out that he had the monkeys? Like, did they real? They woke up the next morning. The monkeys are gone. Where'd they go? I guess that's had. That's how it had to be. Cause like you know, with these monkeys, the capuchin monkeys, they aren't just monkeys that are apes or like in big. I don't want to say big groups. So you would notice if two, three went missing. You know what I mean? So how they chase it back to him? They looked on the one security camera they had. I, I guess. And I, then they called him. Yes, he didn't wear a hoodie coming in. And <laughs> they called him. And to Chinway's point, he gives them the goods. <laughs> And then that was it. Oh, well, also it says two women came forward saying they had seen a man leaving the vacant. Of oven. course they did. So, so of course was, they did. It was the one footage and the two Do we women know what these other two women look like? I'm just, I'm just curious. Of course we don't. Of course we don't. I just want to know. The two women could have been the other monkeys for all we know. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's all we know. No, you didn't. <laughs> that's, that's all we know. Did you not? All right. He that's... remains in jail on a $25,000 bond. Um, any advice? That he hasn't already screwed up, you know? <laughs> Davion, give an attorney. Okay. <laughs> but what if he can't afford an attorney? Then and one there are no good to public defenders in Dallas. Yeah, I don't know what to tell Davion. Davion, you better hope the public defenders will be able to help you. God dang You need a lawyer. Okay, so I want to thank you very much for the. And there's Davion. Let's show Instagram. I'm sorry, Real 1100 AM. Oh, Listeners, let's look at Davion. Hold on, let's, let's turn the brightness real quick. Let's see, Davion. Davion's like, yeah, I took him. And guess what? He said he'd do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Davion looks 
looks like he could also be Florida man, kind of. See, I got to mess with Michelle. Okay, no me. Florida man. <laughs> We're not doing Florida man. I'm from Duval County. Ooh. Do you know for the first six months of oh. senseless shenanigans, it was all Florida man. But it was Florida all man does this. Florida man does that. Yeah, it wasn't intentional. I would just turn on myself. Look, at that point, I was only seeing LeVar Ball and Florida man on myself. Okay. So I had to talk about one of the two. All <laughs> right. That's enough for you. Thank you. Jarrell, and that was senseless, uh, senseless shenanigans. Okay, so when we went to break, and just for those of you who are just coming in on Real 1100 AM or at Michelle Taylor Willis on Facebook, Instagram, iHeart, welcome. We've got attorney Chen Wei Foster in the house. She is the principal attorney and founder of the Founder Law Firm LLC right here in Atlanta, one of the only all-black female um, practices in the nation. I keep wanting to say world. Don't so speak it into existence. We can say world. Can we say world PR? Okay. Okay, yeah, we're going in the world. (laughs) And my evil voice. Um, And so you were kind of just taking us through back in 2005 when the public defender system was horrendous. In case I keep going. Yeah, so John Rappin, who is now the the leader, the CEO of Gideon's Promise, which used to be the Georgia's Honors Program, basically went around uh, the world to try to find great... Uh, attorneys to come to Georgia to be public defenders. Um, so um, I was a part of that program. Um, we got training, uh, you know, excellent uh, training, really intense training. And I actually started out as a public defender. So I did it for um, four years. Um, and I, I loved my job. I loved litigating. I loved advocating for people. But it's really a thankless job. It's right. a job where you get paid pennies. Right. Literal, literal pennies. Um, to change lives. Like you're changing. <laughs> it's almost like being a teacher, right? Yeah, yeah seriously, yeah. Um, and you're a lot of times you're not appreciated by your clients. Um, you're fighting with the judges. You're fighting with the prosecutors. You're fighting with um, your clients. You're fighting with the system. And, I mean, honestly, I got burned out. Mm. Um, so after four years, I needed a break. Right. I needed a break. So I took a break, moved to Florida, moved to moved to Duval County. You lived in Duval County? What? Yes. Can we oh, get the... No. Br- 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 I didn't last a year. I, I, <laughs> okay. Hold the... Hold I the... Br- 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 I know, right? <laughs> I didn't last a year. Um... And then I moved to Charlotte, and um, and um, at the time, but I was, I, I wasn't where I, I, I wanted to still practice. Right. So I, I thought. And at this time, were you just kind of bouncing around from law firms? No, I was a teacher. Okay. Um, I taught at um, a college, a small college, um, criminal defense, um, conflict management. I did some consulting work. Um, and I was like a stay-at-home wife, really, okay. <laughs> doing all that. And then, but eventually, I like I wanted to be back in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back in the trenches uh, to fight. So we lived in Charlotte at the time. We were we were getting ready to move back to Georgia, and um, I was okay. I'm just gonna go back to the public defender's office. And my husband is like, mm, I think you should you should start your own firm. And I'm like, uh, I'm not really, you know, that's not really me. This is. It's not about money for me. It's about 
doing this. You know, right. he was like, no, you can do this and get paid more. Boom. <laughs> I love your husband. Where is he? <laughs> he should be here, but he's busy. He's working. Um, and he said, no, you can, you can do this. So he kind of like encouraged me mm. to kind of jump out there. Um, and so we moved back to Georgia and I started my own practice. I started out doing just criminal defense mm-hmm. and it kind of turned into family because a lot of my criminal defense clients needed family law. Right. Uh, a family law attorney. And that's kind of how I got into it. So to get back to your question, is it, did I mean to be the core? No, I just wanted to be excellent at providing legal services to people who needed it. Right. And with, and you know, kind of how you were saying people were being put, were put into my life Mm -hmm. to speak into it. And I think that my husband encouraging me to say, hey, you know, you need to open your own practice and be the support that I needed in right. the beginning where you're not getting as many clients, you're not doing, you know, you're not getting as the phone isn't ringing like it should. Right. Um, and I think that that allowed me to build uh, this business and use my, my talent, my voice, and then use that with the help that I had with putting people around me and having my husband to grow this business into what it is now. Find people who believe in your vision, who are smarter than you in different veins that can help you execute upon the vision. How I mean, how often do I say that, Terrell? Every week. Every week. <laughs> because when you, it's one thing to have the vision, but it's execution. We can't execute by ourselves. And a lot of times we don't know what we know, what we don't know, especially in business. Right? Yeah. But that encouragement, go ahead. No, I would say, like, going to law school, they don't teach you. Now, I know there's some um, law schools that have the MBA, the business aspect to it. Right. But in law school, they don't teach you how to own a business and be a business owner. That's why you have so many people who start firms and... And don't don't follow through or don't do as well. It's the same thing in the medical field. I used to have a medical consulting company and solid clinicians, but had no idea how to run a business. And they end up selling their souls to the devil, right? The hospitals or they just got to get out because they can't run the business. Um, And there is a deficiency we know on the medical side of things to, to teach this business aspect. I know they're starting to do that more in medical school. So hopefully it sounds like they're starting to do that more on the law yeah, side of things too. But so were, were you intentional about bringing on black women? Is that, was that like, this is what I'm doing? This is another time that the, the planned answer would be yes. <laughs> but I'm always honest. I'm always real. Right. So no, <laughs> it wasn't planned. Um, when my business started to grow, um, when the phone started to ring to the point where I couldn't handle and I wanted to help as many people as I could, I knew I needed to hire. That's right. Perfect. Um, Teachable moment. Do not hire until you can't handle it anymore. That's how you don't lose money in business. Burst at the seams. Mm-hmm. And then, because you could have gone out and hired five attorneys and be sitting there twiddling, twiddling your thumbs, losing money. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but I just, people need to understand no, that that's point. True. No, that's true. That's facts for real. No. Um, and so at that point, I knew I needed to hire. So when I was looking to hire, my reputation is very important to me. How I treat my clients is very important to me. My clients trust in me and what I stand for is very important to me. So I did not want to just be your regular firm where you just hire anyone who doesn't care, who only cares about money. Um, so I was intentional in the type of person that I wanted to hire. Mm. So I knew there was a type of person. I knew that I wanted someone who actually 
cared about the people that we were representing. I knew that I wanted someone who could relate to the people that we were representing. Um, I knew I wanted someone who was, um, who their skill was important to them, who their reputation was important to them. Um, and so I, I had all these things that I, I wanted. I was really looking for an attorney that thought, like, talk. That, oh, no, like what, me, what you right? did was you had a vision and a mission, part of what you aligned with Howard Law School's mission, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. But again, in business, she is she's y'all. She is giving away so many gems today. If you pay attention, she's giving you the blueprint for how to build a business. She had a vision and a mission and she hired against the vision and mission. Yes, exactly. And all the people that fit the bill just for black women so that's why that ain't no problem (laughs) that ain't no problem problem. (laughs) but i love this that you i mean i could i could take 10 business owners right now and say what's your vision they'd be like well you know what we like to do it now what is your vision what is your mission and when i train entrepreneurs i tell them the same like you do everything rolls up to that vision how you hire how you fire the clients you take the projects you how you move it all rolls up to that but you have a clear vision and mission and i want to read this um you're fascinating by the way i just want you to know that um okay you said that one of the things you loved about howard law school was its mission statement which reads a lawyer's either a social engineer or a parasite on society parasite friends and we've dealt with those people we know who they are a social engineer is a highly skilled perceptive sensitive lawyer who understands the constitution of the united states and knows how to explore its uses in the solving of problems and of local communities and in bettering conditions of its citizens. Yes. Yes. That's what you do. That is what I do. That's what I modeled my firm um, out of. That's why I was specific about who I hired. I didn't want to hire parasites. And parasites could be a lot of things, but attorneys who only care about money, that's a parasite. An attorney who doesn't care about their talent, who only cares more about the fact that, oh, I'm an attorney, that's a parasite. I'm a, an attorney who um, doesn't care or consider the clients that you're you're dealing with and their family, that's a parasite. So I didn't, in, in my hiring and in how we approach it, I use that model in, in building my business. Is that what makes you different? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, that's such a cliche. Oh, I actually care. Oh, no, we actually do. Like, we have a holistic approach in how we deal with our clients. Um, I want every client that comes through my doors to feel like, they were treated as if they were family. Like, I want a lawyer to treat, because people come to me, you're not coming to me with anything good. If you're calling <laughs> me, if you're trying to contact you me, honest. you got a problem. Right. It's either you're going through a divorce, someone served you with child support papers, you've been charged with a crime. It's never good, right? So you're already in a space where you are probably defeated, um, probably feel... Um, you know, let down by the system Mm. or your significant other, whoever. So my goal is to not only represent you, but in doing that is to build you up 
from the down place that you were when you came to me. So that's how we're different. So it's, it's holistic in that you're not just a client. And right. Just we're not, you're not just solving this problem. You're looking at the big picture and figuring out how you can fit the puzzle people, pieces of the puzzle together to actually do a good job for your client. Correct. And, you know, it's something that we I just discussed with one of my clients. Every time I have a divorce case and I, I can tell that this person is extremely emotional, I always suggest and recommend that you see a therapist. Because sometimes, even though as a lawyer, you're a counselor as well, but <gasps> the skills, I, I don't have, you know, a medical degree. <laughs> right. So I can't, you know, so I would say, I'm, I'm your lawyer. I'm going to counsel you guide you in the legal realm i'm going to be here for you but you also need to get a therapist because going through a divorce is extremely hard yeah and holistic approach is a thing right and i think again i'm seeing so many parallels between the medical community and the legal community right because it's the same thing right you deal with physicians you present to them with an ailment and they're trying to fix that when really there are doctors out there that take holistic approaches because that real that that ale might might be a byproduct of something else. So I want to be with the person that's looking at the whole picture, yes. right? And you, your firm, your attorneys, you look at the whole picture. Okay, we got to take a break in a second, but quick question: family and criminal defense. Which do you prefer? That question is really easy for me. I can answer it very easily, quickly, but I probably shouldn't. But I will. Okay. As my own real. attorney, I will <laughs> abstain from answering that question. Fifth. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm going to say it. Um, my passion is criminal law. I knew uh, it I'm had to be because that's really, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's my passion. So, oh, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, no, that's what I'm going to say. That's so, in your, because I knew this, so I had a line of questioning ready for this. Okay. And I know we got to take a break, but okay. So, in that practice, in that criminal defense realm, what percentage do you think of your clients are black males? 98%. Mm, I knew that answer too. Okay. Dang, I'm going to finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. That made me uncomfortable. <laughs> 98%. Right. Okay. So when well, we. You know what? Hold on. Maybe okay. 90 Because we have women, a lot of women of color as well. Right. And we have all races. We represent all, all races, you know, but I would say probably 90%. 90%. Okay. And we got to take a break. When we and come back. Criminal defense. Criminal. Yep. And criminal defense. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm niching it down. I'm niching it down, attorney. I'm niching it down. All right, when we come back, I want to talk about that because I want to talk about really the misconceptions, right? Not just in criminal defense, but, you know, on the family side, too. Um, and then the difference, right, between the judicial process, right? Because people don't understand. Like, you know, there's a legislative process mm -hmm. and then there's a judicial process and they they work together, but they act independently. Right. I mean, you can't you're legislating, but that doesn't I mean, the judges enforce the law. They don't write them. Right. Exactly. So I want to talk a little bit about that when we come back. Guys, you're listening to According to Michelle on Real 1100 AM and iHeartRadio. We've got attorney Chen Wake Foster, founder, principal attorney of the Foster Law Firm right here in Atlanta. Don't go anywhere. It's going to get real good when we come back. And it'll be time for Ask Michelle, 404-603-8770. You can talk to her yourself. Don't go anywhere. More According to Michelle when we come back. Michelle. Michelle. Check this one here for me and my DJ. 
Well, it is 5.30 on According to Michelle on Real 1100 AM Radio. That's my sexy voice. Okay, okay. Do you like it? It's different. I haven't heard it before. No, you haven't. Uh, just, just. Well, no, guys, don't close your eyes if you're driving. But <laughs> <laughs> close your eyes and imagine the magic, the quiet storm. I always wanted to do like a quiet storm. You know, you don't know what that is because you're two. Okay, never mind. I'm not even going to explain it. It's five thirty. Four four six zero three eighty seven seventy. If you want to call in and talk to Attorney Foster, you can do that. You can talk to me. You can ask us any question you want. It does not mean we will answer it. Amen. But ask away, my friends. Ask away. But in the meantime, so I want to circle back. So we, if you're just coming in, we've got Attorney Foster, Shinway Foster. She is the principal attorney and founder of the, the Foster Law Firm, LLC, here in Atlanta. Um, one of the very, very few all-black female law practices in the world, basically. We established that on our last break. I think the world is where we are right now. Um, and so we've kind of niched it down to she does family law and she does criminal defense. And criminal defense is her favorite. And about 90% of her um, clients are black males. And so it begs the question, a couple of questions I have. So I'll ask these two because I have a tendency to ask questions on top of questions. So I'm going I'm to, first of all, I want to know what is the biggest challenge when it comes to dealing with black males in the system? Like what, what do they get wrong? And I think one of these we saw with the guy with the, the monkeys in our last break. <laughs> oh, right. <Davion>. Um, <laughs> but what do black males get wrong where you, you, you said it like where you're making the case for them. Yeah. But that's one example with you know I always say don't speak to the police but I honestly feel that black men are targeted so I wouldn't see say that they get anything wrong because you have people who are doing nothing who are charged with crimes um, and that happens more time than people think so it's not um, Davion is is you know a different type you know Davion is different but you know I have clients who are professional people who are maybe you know they smoke they like to smoke marijuana and they're driving down the street and they're pulled over for no reason um, I have clients who are driving and just because they're in a luxury vehicle in a certain type of neighborhood they're pulled over um, you know, the officer says that they swerved or failed to maintain lane. And then when I get the body cam or I get the dash cam and they didn't. So that question is a little loaded in the, what do black men get wrong? I don't think that they necessarily get because they do the same things as other people. Mm. I mean, but they're targeted um, and they just um, not all of them. But I think a lot of times black men are targeted. So that really is not, I mean, just in case anybody, I mean, you are in this. This is your life, day in, day out. Mm -hmm. Black men are targeted. That is, I mean, you see that. This isn't speculation. Yeah, this not isn't. speculation. I see it. Wow. All right. So what is a misconception, right? Like what, what are we out here thinking is the case? That's really not the case at all when it comes to black men in this space you know, i always say this things are never as they seem as from the time that i get into a case to the time i actually go to trial 
I mean, it's it's almost never what was in the police report. It's almost never what even sometimes what my client told me in the beginning. So, and again, I want people to remember that as the defendant, you don't have to prove anything. It is up to the state to prove their burden. They have the burden to prove you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So That's the burden of proof, yes, right? So okay. you're innocent until proven guilty. I think so many times people ask me, how can you represent these kind of people? People get charged all the time with things that they didn't do. And a lot of times, it's, you know, I represent, I'm defending the Constitution. I'm not just defending the person. You can't just come in somebody's house and search their house. Like, you have to follow the proper procedure. You can't just assume that someone is guilty because they're at a certain place. Like, you have rights. If you want to smoke marijuana in your car, yes, it's illegal. I mean, in your house. The police don't have the right to come in your house. They have no jurisdiction there. Yeah, you can't just come in the house and, and search. So, um... So the misconception would be that I, I hear a lot is that everyone is guilty. Mm. Yeah. I think us, we just assume, oh, well, you got arrested and you, you must have done something. Right. Wow. Wow. So is it possible to change that? Because that's a mindset change. And we're guilty of that. I mean, you know, we always talk about um, the others, so to speak right against us but I mean we do it to ourselves I mean you know what I'm saying like it's hard for it's hard for us to go after another group of people coming at us when we go we we I mean because honestly there's there's two sides there's the system right that once you get in it needs to be right but then there are people who are doing things for no reason who makes it hard for us as a whole right you know, because when you see some of these, um, you know, young men um, shooting each other for no reasons or um, selling drugs or, you know, walking around with guns everywhere, it's hard for you to say, well, how can you say that, um, you know, that they're targeted? They're making it easy. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's such a so how can we change the mindset? That's such a loaded. Right. Deep, it, it starts. Right. We got to go. I'm sorry, machine. attorney. <laughs> we got to go before the criminal justice system. Like We got to go to how are we raising our children? What's the education? Right. Like, I mean, really, that's how yeah. you changed. It goes. You don't wait until we get to this point. <laughs> right. To yeah. right. figure out how we're going to change it. Like It needs to start from... You know, I hate to say this. What kind of music you know, are you... Are you because you're putting poison in your... You know, your... Especially if they're already bred in an environment that, right? I mean, like, so whether if they're in a place where, the, you know, everybody's on drugs, right? They're raising themselves. Mm-hmm. They come from a criminal background. Mm-hmm. They might want to do right, but they're listening to Big Mill. And, you know what I mean? And I love Big Mill. I mean, he dreams and nightmares. Like, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, they're just reinforcing the. Honestly, and education is key. Like, I wish that. You know, we would uh, we would push education more because I think that if you're, you know, how I say you know, if you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. If you don't know better, how can we be mad at you if you don't do better? Right. So I, I think that it, it goes far beyond fixing the justice system. You got to fix a whole lot of stuff. Right. Before we even get there. All right. I'm gonna ask a question. I don't typically like to ask yes or no questions, but is it too late? No. Cause it. Fe- I mean, I'm just. I have. So I have four black sons mm-hmm. right who to me are magic like my kids I say all the time I don't deserve my children they're just they are very 
you know, they're not perfect. They're still kids, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I look at them and think, you know, and then I look at the world and I'm just like, gosh, I mean, in every day, every time we open up, somebody, college kids are getting killed or there's a shooting. In Atlanta, I mean, uh, Georgia followers and ATL scoop, like, we, you don't need the news. All you need to do is open up Instagram and we know who got shot, when, why, what, within 24 hours, we'll have a real update on it. And it, to me, it just feels like, and I say this, like, if I were God, which I'm not, clearly, if I were God, I would know us arc this place and start <laughs> from zero. Like, like I'm like I'm I'm done with y'all. I'm done with uh, I can't any I cannot. If I were I'd be like I I can't get the boat now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it's not too late. And I again I, I education is key. Like, I just feel like it it starts there. I don't think it's too late. Okay, I mean you're the expert. If you say it's not too late, so if it's not too late, education, right? Um, let's talk a little bit about, because I, I sit on, I interview judges. Mm-hmm. I interview magistrate, magistrate judges, Judge Cassandra Kirk, who I'm sure, okay. yeah. yeah. So uh, I keep naming all these AKA judges. They're just like, they just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I've really learned when I'm, when, we're interv- when I'm on this panel, we're interviewing these judges, is the real difference between legislating and judiciating. Right. That 99 percent of people, I didn't get the difference. There's the laws and then there's enforcing them. Right. And so people, I think as a society, we're holding judges to, you know, um, standards and requirements that they're not supposed to be held to. And then we've got these. Le- oh, here she goes. OK, good. Oh, wait, I think we're getting her. I think we're getting her. And then, but then we have these legislate, and we have the laws. So where's the line? Okay, go. You go. I'm done. We only like hours to discuss this, but now I say that. So (laughs) yes, um, judges do not make the law, right? They have to enforce the law. However, I think that and judges have a lot of discretion on certain things. Mm -hmm. And I think that the fact that most of your judges are former prosecutors who have a skewed way of looking at what happens or, mm. and how they believe what happens. I think that I'm not saying you can't blame the judges because they have to follow the law that, you know, the Congress um, made, but I feel like it could be enforced differently and it should be enforced fairly across the board. And we know that doesn't happen. Does yeah. I mean, cause gee, that's why happen. we see the two. I mean, we've actually seen these studies where it's literally same the same crime, Completely the same things. case. Mm-hmm. One is black, one is white and it, and it's two different. So, so talk to me about implicit bias because I mean, I know there she is again. She's smiling. I think we got her again, but I mean, like, how do you, okay. No, bi- like how, how do you not take your biases into this stuff? We need another two hours. Yeah. Okay, we need another. We gotta have an eight-hour interview. No problem. But I think what people need to remember is that the justice system there's it's not only supposed to punish you, but it's supposed to rehabilitate you, and people forget that. And I think judges forget that, and especially mm. if you have a first-time you know, a young college student who made a mistake, right? Um, if someone's not dead, you know, they deserve 
you know, to have a chance, like to, you know, because people make mistakes. So um, I think that we need to remember that the justice system is not only supposed to punish you and rehabilitate you. And I think that sometimes when it comes to people who look a certain way, people remember, oh, there is another portion of this justice system. Let's try to rehabilitate this person. But when you have Davion, yeah. who comes Stealing monkeys. You, it's like throw him in jail with no bond or throw him in jail for however many years or put him on probation so that he has a felony. And, and can't you know, work nowhere. Yes. So, yeah, that's, that's a loaded question. But I, I you know. How do I get judges to do what they're supposed to do? Is, is was that the question? <laughs> I mean, you take it wherever you want to, friend. Um, <laughs> but that's why. You know what? No comment. I'm, I'm not gonna say anything. No. Right. <laughs> yeah, I said it off camera for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, but I just because there's just such this piece, and even if we're talking about so go to go on the family side, and actually because there is this intersection to mm-hmm. your point between family and criminal sometimes, right? I mean, yes, a lot. I know somebody with, with um, domestic violence, right? I mean, this issue where the couple live together, they're not married, mm-hmm. and um, the woman kind of got upset and started coming for the guy. And he was just literally defending himself to get him, to get her off of him. Like, look, I'm, you know what I mean? And so it, as he's doing that, they fall over and she calls the cops. Mm-hmm. And now, so she calls the cops and now there's a, there was a, a warrant for his arrest because he left because he's like, I'm not, you know. And then she's now she's trying to apologize. Look, that's not what happened. But the cops come and they're like, "Oh, look, you, this up. is done. This is so now he's got a warrant. So now he's he's got to go turn himself in, wait for the you know get in front of a judge. Mm-hmm. First time offense. This guy's record is clean. He has not. I don't even think he has a speeding ticket, mm-hmm. ever. The woman is coming back now. My bad. Can I say something to that? No, I want <laughs> Attorney Foster. To, well, no, I'm just I, joking. I'm just guys, kidding. Like, just to stay out of that situation, I've been joked on a lot. When a woman starts getting physical or aggressive with me, I don't care how big of a wuss thing it is. Usain Bolt out of there. I'm talking run. And then she gets in her car and follows you, then what? Well, then that's a whole different conversation. You're right. But just in the moment, I've learned that sometimes when you just exit the situation, there's no way it can get you know, 911 involved or he said, she said, or he put her hands on her. It's just, you got pushed. Okay. Recognize that. Get out. I think it's easier said than done when you're in the heat of the moment. Huh, you don't wrong. think it's going to go there. And then and a girl's trying to bite you, man. Uh-huh. I run. I'm sorry. A girl's biting you and cutting. You're just like, it's like the comedian. We got to take another break. This, uh, I hate breaks. <laughs> we have to do it though, because people are paying for them. Okay. Like sweet ginger Brown. Oh, Elixir and mixer, mixer and elixir. If you need something non-alcoholic to add to your drink, you need sweet ginger Brown. It tastes good. The ginger is the foundation. It's so healthy for you. And if you want, you can add alcohol to it, but you don't have to. Check out Ebony Coleman at SGBMLXR, sweetgingerbrown.com. That's with an E. Make sure you tell her Michelle Taylor will listen to you. And I'll be right back with more according to Michelle on Real 1100 AM. But when we come back, it's almost over. I'm so sorry. Michelle. Oh my goodness, it is 5.50 and I, I just, 
the time flies by in here all the time. The discussion is so good. Uh, we've got attorney Chinway Foster in the house. Uh, she is the founder principal of one of the only black female, all, all black female uh, law practices in the world, we said, in the world. And um, when we went to break, we were just having a crazy discussion about just black males finding themselves in precarious situations mm-hmm. and what you should do. And Attorney Foster was saying, get an attorney as early as possible. Yes. And get an attorney as early as possible. And don't say anything. Don't say or do anything until that, you get wait, an attorney. In that order? Don't yeah, don't say, don't do. Call your attorney first. Or tell the the police they're there in your face, tell them to call your attorney. Okay, so wait, real quick. You you get pulled over mm-hmm. and the cops are like, whatever, and we're taking you to jail. Mm-hmm. Then you just stop talking you I'm just need I want my attorney. That's it. Yes, don't say nothing. Don't say don't anything. Say nothing. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, not, not you got the wrong guy, or it's not me, or none, none mm-hmm. of that. Why'd you pull me over, officer? My favorite. Um, <laughs> if, if you're already getting arrested, then I mean, just cut nip it in the bud. Yeah, you're already getting arrested. So, so. is there any? So you can actually answer this question to me. Once they start reading your rights, right? They don't it, read you your rights when you get arrested. People see that in the movie. So Law and Order's been lying to me for 20 years? Dun, dun. They only have to read you your rights if they're about to ask you questions about what happened, right? Okay. But if they come and they're already arresting you, they don't have to. They're not walking away saying you have a right to remain. They don't do that. Really? Okay, cool. Now, when they sit you in the in the room and they want to talk to you or interrogate you, that's when that then has. they have to read you your rights. Okay, so I just want to make sure, Chenway, I mean, because you're blowing my mind right now, and law and order really is how I learned the law, okay? Yeah, yeah SUV. That's, I mean, so <laughs> SUV. They lie to you. SUV, you got they me. lie to you. So, when Benson... Oh no, you going <laughs> or Ice T? I don't even know Ice T's name. I watch this video all the time. Finn, Finn, right, right. When yeah, Finn, Finn was a monkey. Hmm? Oh dang, Bella and Bella Finn. Finn. That's right. Oh, remember, she's see. This is why she's good because she remember. She's like, no, Your Honor, that is not what you said last time. I remember, Counselor. Okay, so when Finn is handcuffing somebody and he's like, get your ass. And he's like, you have the right to remain. That is not. That's not true. It doesn't happen like that. People are always like, they didn't read me my rights. I'm like, but did they ask you questions about what happened? No. They don't well, then good. Yeah. They, it's <laughs> good. And true. they don't have to read you your rights. Guys. They only have to read you your rights when you are in custody and when they're about to interrogate you. So you have to be in custody. And that doesn't. So if you're handcuffed and you're sitting on the, you know, on the on the sidewalk, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're not free to leave and they want to ask you a question about the crime that happened, then they have to read you your rights. But if they're coming to arrest you because they have a warrant or if they saw you do something and they want to arrest you, they don't have to read you your rights. SVU needs to... I am disappointed. Dick Wolf. You're not the only one. Yeah, hey, Dick Wolf don't miss, though. He, <laughs> he really don't. Like, I mean, well, he missed right now. All right. It's it's 554. We got to. I want to talk to her so much 
more. You got, will you come back? I will be back. I will absolutely come back. You got to come back. All right. So if you need a family attorney, if you need a uh, criminal defense, I mean, you get divorced, you got custody issues, you get pulled over and they want to take you to jail for no reason at all. You need to call Attorney Foster, her or one of her beautiful black attorneys. We'll take care of you. Okay. How do they find you? Um, they can call my office at 404-525-3082, or you can go on my website, uh, fosterlawga.com, or on all social media, at fosterlawga. At fosterlawga, guys, at fosterlawga. If you need anything, this is the woman to whom you should speak. Thank you so much. I told y'all she was fascinating, didn't I? I said I teased it up. They should have been like sitting on the edge of their (laughs) chairs by the time I finished. Thank you so much. Seriously, you got to come back. I will be back. And and I can't believe it's literally over, guys. We do this every week. It's about inspiration. It's about empowerment. When people ask me what I do, I tell them I empower people to empower people. I have four mediums, and I use them for you to put people like Chinway in front of you to inspire and drop gems about business, about your life, about your purpose, about your passion. All you got to do is figure out why God put you on this earth, surround you, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and see your vision and can help you execute upon it. And I promise you the world will be your oyster. We do this every week, every week. You can see me right here on uh, Real 1100 AM, according to Michelle. This week, tomorrow, from 2.30 to 5 o'clock, I'll be at Fulton County Day. I'll be at the Capitol with some of our amazing legislators who we were talking about. Also, my play debut debuts May 11th through the 14th, Never Play with a Woman's Heart. Make sure you follow me at Michelle Taylor Willis on just about everything for that. But right now, I am out. <laughs>